1: because uh you know in 2020 was crazy for everyone this year has been more craziness um but I've actually been uh so the last year and a half or so has been some of the most productive uh the most productive writing period of my life I've probably written more in the last two years than uh all the other years combined and I think um that's been great that's been really great it's like a coping mechanism for me writing really is and so um with like the daily challenges so I'm a single mom um and I work full-time as a librarian and so those are those are two full-time jobs and sometimes writing feels like a third uh full-time job but they're all jobs that I really enjoy um but it's it's also been extremely challenging, uh, and so I'm just I'm really grateful that I've that I have had uh, the tool of writing uh, and sh- and and the sort of uh, mechanisms for sharing my writing in a way that's beneficial to me and other people.
0: Definitely, um, I'm really glad to hear that you've been able to have some productive writing time during this whole period because I know a lot of people haven't, I've had the same thing. Um, I think mostly because I had like a big situational change right before the pandemic that allowed for that. But um, yeah, I think like having been able to get any work done during this time is just such an accomplishment.
1: Yeah, well, and I think for me, a lot of, you've read some of my stuff, I think a lot of uh, a lot of what I write about is is about coping with the challenges of life and a lot of it stems from trauma uh, and pain and so to be able to transform that into something that other people enjoy or can relate to uh is huge that's that's such a huge deal i mean i would love it if it was just if i was able to write it for myself and experience that you know release and that beauty for myself, but the fact that other people enjoy it too and it's beneficial to them is is super rad. And I love that.
0: Yeah. Well, on, on that topic, so your book, um, which I have here self-titled. It, so it's if, if so relevant to what's been going on. Um, it's one of the only two books that I read in the last year that addressed a lot of the events of, of 2020. And um, that was just so nice to experience when I was reading it because, you know, especially at the height of the pandemic, I was trying to read and nothing I read felt like real because it was just so distant from everything happening in the real world. And so to read something that addressed what was happening, what's what's been happening, um, that was great. Um, and I was wondering if you could just tell me a little about what that was like, a little about the process of of writing about things um, as they were happening that were so intense.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think again, it's a it's a coping mechanism for me, and I think so. Like, I wouldn't say that self titled is about the pandemic at all. I do think um, a, a lot of it, you know, a lot of the events in there do occur on like within that framework, um, but it's not. Um, it's just more I think I think for everyone the pandemic just has like highlighted and intensified uh, everything that was already there so you know there's things in self-titled that are about traumas that happened 15 years ago that were that like for whatever reason the isolation the situations uh, that I found myself in like those, those came to the fore and were things that um, I guess it was just, it was just time to write about. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, anytime, and I do, so I started a, a website and I post on the website and I, and so I'm, I'm writing about a lot of stuff in real, in real time, almost as it happens. And um, that's really weird. That's, it's, if, if, sometimes I think I write too much and that it would be good to have a little like more space and and more perspective um but I think that uh it's for me it's so cathartic well writing is a container uh and especially because I make zines and so I can do that at my own pace uh really quickly I can have you know this idea and put it together and And actually, that's one of the ways that self-titled was different from my zines because um, I have a concept for a zine, and I make it that way, and I'm trying to write about a specific event, and there's a clear narrative arc usually in the zines that I make. Uh, But with self-titled, it was a little different. It was sort of putting things together after the fact, and so there's not really a coherent narrative arc to it. But I think the collection, you know as the pieces are layered in a way that it makes a certain kind of kind of sense but writing always back to your original question of what it was like to write about the pandemic while it was happening it's it's so so satisfying to do that and have that container and be able to put it literally on the shelf i love it
0: yeah um Can you tell me a little about how Self-Titled came into being?
1: Yeah. So this year, I have made all these amazing connections with other writers through Instagram, actually. I think in January or February, I saw this call uh, for audio recordings from Hello America. And I had followed Adam Gennady for a while the writer but wasn't really super familiar with his work. And I was, as usual, feeling really bad always I turn to writing and art when I'm when I'm feeling awful and and trying to just survive. And so I saw this call and I sometimes I'll uh, record poems on Insta- post them on Instagram. So I've been doing that for a while and that's been really fun because poetry, well, well, any kind of literature is different aloud versus read. And so that's kind of changed the way that I write. So anyways, I saw this uh, call on Hello America. And so I so I quickly recorded a couple of pieces and emailed them and I thought, <clears throat> they weren't good enough <laughs> and uh adam emailed me back right away and he was like these are great i would love to love to put these out and so that happened and then he sent along some of my work to nate perkins who runs trident press uh in boulder and nate said hey i like your stuff send me a manuscript." And so I put together the manuscript for self-titled. And it was strange, again, because I, I mean, I did not set out to write a book and it's a small book. It's a, I mean, physically very small and also it's pretty short, but I, and I didn't set out to write it but it was really interesting how, uh, I mean, that happens a lot, you know, like there's a, somebody makes a request and then you discover that you have the thing that fills, fills, the yeah. need or fills the request and so that's that's what happened and then working with Nate was so awesome Nate Perkins is a wonderful person and a wonderful writer also I, I really love Nate's Nate's stuff and he's got a tape on Hello America also and some books that he has out but he was like we just gotta he's like my goal is to be able to put out you know, great books that people want to read, and to make the process fun. And it was, man, <laughs> I had, like, I, I just hadn't even didn't even have it in my head, ever to try to publish a book. Because I thought it would be a horrible process. And I think, you know, with a with a major, I don't even know how people get published actually with major agents and just the whole corporate machine uh, is trash. And I never, I never thought, and I never really even thought about approaching a small press. It just didn't seem like something that was, I felt really satisfied with the zines that I was making and the ways that I was reaching people and connecting. And so I I didn't really even consider it. So it's, I don't know, it just, just happened, and, it, and it's been great, and it was a really lovely, wonderful process with Trident.
0: That's fantastic. Um, it seems like a really cool small press. I was looking at some of the titles, and I'm excited to read more work from them. It's such a different experience, I've found, when you meet a writer, and then read their book, or, like, know them, and have, like, some communication with them, than when you're reading something from one of these large presses where you... I was talking to Graham about this on my last episode where like, you'll probably never have any... Like you literally can't talk to them because there's all these layers between you and the person who produced the work that you're reading. Mm -hmm. So that's something I really like a lot about small presses and also just, you know, connecting with uh, people whose work I've liked through the internet.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I really love that, and I love I love reading zines. I think not just not only you know being able to have the connection, but also to have that there's no corporate filter on it. There's no like I don't write a zine because it's gonna sell a million copies. <laughs> it never <laughs> will, and I don't have to, and I'm in complete control of that. You know, I think um, <clears throat> zine culture is is so great for that, and you and so. So rather than this, you know, more homogenized perspective, you get such a range of perspectives. I mean, there's zines about everything, and they're just so much more immediate and and powerful in, in many ways, because there's not, you know, that, that filter or those standards that are applied to them.
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask you about the zines, too. How did you start making them?
1: Um... Well, the first zine I made, I didn't call it a zine for a long time. I just, I can't remember which one I sent. Did I send you a zine?
0: I have a soft animal here.
1: Okay, so that's the first one I made. And I really just, uh, I wrote it and I wrote it unintentionally also. I Someone asked a, a question about, this poem that i had written and in order to answer the question i ended up writing that little book writing all of soft animal and then i wanted to send it to the person and i didn't want to email it i didn't want to send a pdf and so i printed it out and i worked in this library where we had this killer printer that i still (laughs) dream about and love it was just like the most beautiful prints and it did booklet printing And so I thought, Oh, what it will be nice to just print this as a booklet. And so I did that. And then I was like, well, it needs a cover. And so I did that. And I sent it to the person I who had originally asked the question. And then I uh, sent it to a couple of other friends, and never really thought of it as a zine. I mean, I'd read zines before. But I, I didn't, I didn't think of it that way. I just thought of it as I wanted I felt like the story needed to be something that you could hold in your hands and so that's how that happened and then tenderness is the second theme that I made and that was (laughs) that was a I had this friend on Facebook and he would post about things about dating and Tinder and I would too. And I was like, Hey, it would be really cool. If we had a book, if we made a book and you know, two voices. And he was like, well, I'm down if you are. And so we started writing this book together about our Tinder experiences. Like, and I would write a story and send it to him. And he would write one and send it to me. And we were going to put it out as a two-sided zine and it was going to be super cool. We were going to do it like one side, backward, you know, like one side one cover would be his and one cover would be mine and whatever. And then at the very last minute he was like, I don't want to do it. I don't wanna put you know, there's he had all these reasons for not hmm. wanting to I guess you haven't read Tenderness, but um it's pretty it gets pretty intimate. And he was like, I just I can't and his stuff is really great. And I was like, Well, fuck, I already, you know, I already I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it without him. And I was mad about it and I was sad about it, but I was also like, I had got this really cool thing out of it that, I mean, I wouldn't have written it if, if he and I hadn't kind of been on that journey together of sharing these, sharing these things and getting really vulnerable. And so, uh, you know, and he's still a treasured friend and wonderful writer, but, um, I did it by myself, and so that was what I considered my first real zine. He was the one who, who you know, started using that word, and mm. uh, so that was how that happened. And then, in a fit of utter uh, insanity, I entered it into a contest. Uh, <laughs> <I entered laughs> the Broken Pencil Zine Awards. Um, <clears throat> And I thought that was just I just on a whim I did that and then it won best lit zine I was really shocked when it got nominated, and then I was even more shocked when it won because I had the kind of this vague sense of anonymity about my things mm-hmm. like I didn't really have my face associated with but the, you know then they wanted an author photo and then and then I won and then so like strangers all across the world were reading about these most intimate experiences in it (laughs) (laughs) all across the world like you know 30 people all across the world read that zine which was a lot for me so yeah that was how that happened nice do you make scenes do you
0: I aspire to make a zine. Uh, my my wife, Monique, and I have been planning to make one together for a couple of years um, because she's a visual artist. This is her, some of her stuff is back there. And um, we had actually even got to the point where we put out a submission request for some work. And we, we had some people send some stuff and it was really good. And then um, I guess life just happened and we didn't end up, following through but we still want to do it because I love zines my my first experience um, having my words printed was on a zine when I was in college there was this uh, this this friend of mine uh, shout out to Katie who um, she would she would uh, print this little zine it was just one page it was called bug and I had never you know had uh, my writing like published or printed or anything and uh I sent her like a poem and it was so cool it had like she did drawings with it and there was like you know she like hand wrote everything and um you know I just came I didn't even know that it got in I just found it one day like in the school like on uh I think she like would tape them to the walls and stuff and then so I found it and I was like oh my god this is such a cool feeling to see it so like you know just to have this like really um visceral thing that like people could like just pull off the wall and like it was awesome
1: yeah absolutely the physicality of zines is something that i love especially i mean it, it really feels like an antidote to to just like bringing in your phone <laughs> like so inside of our phones and that's great i mean there's a lot about that that's great but yeah you talking about the the, the physical feeling of the thing that you can yeah that's that's what's great
0: about it, I think. Yeah, I agree with that too, that that it's a kind of an antidote to like the constant interaction with digital stuff. Cause it's, you know, even like with with like books, I found like, even if I'm trying to read a book instead of be on my phone, it's it's really hard. I'll try to bring like a book to bed. And then before I know it, I'm like watching YouTube videos and I'm like, how did this happen?
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a difficult thing. And I don't want to I'm definitely not a uh, you know, I'm not anti <clears throat> anything digital, but it's just a different it's a different experience. Definitely. So I, I think I think especially the last it was such a boon during the pandemic to be able to have all these ways to connect with people digitally. Um, but at the same time, it just it's it does. It's a, I think it's, it's such an easy way for people to check out and to check out of their bodies. And for me, for me personally, that's that's a big deal. And that's one of the things I write a lot about you know, being in a body and what that feels like and how, in the ways that I resist that and the ways that that's a difficult thing, especially if, you know, you have trauma and now all of us have trauma, I mean, all of us had trauma anyway, but all of us have, you know, this, the, the trauma of 2020 and Uh, so I think it's so important for us to find those ways to like get back into our bodies especially when they feel like scary places to be I think for me that's a thing that's really true and so so yeah any ways that we can do that get get into our bodies and get into the physical world at least a little bit
0: yeah no I I couldn't agree more I mean that's I mean like you said the pandemic I think just kind of amped up how much all of us were spending time on phones or an email or whatever, you know, it kind of necessitated all of that. And then I've found recently that if I put my phone down for an hour, I just am so happy. And I'm like, why don't I do this all the time? You know? Um, but, um, speaking about that feeling of like, uh, returning to one's body, um, do you feel like uh, writing and making something like a zine, something that you like uh, make that's a physical object that that helps you with that?
1: Absolutely. Although I do most of my writing on my phone, I do a lot of writing on my phone because I do a lot of writing in in small little moments. You know, I write on my breaks at work. Um, I write in the grocery store waiting in line. Because uh, I do, I, like I said at the beginning, I have two full-time jobs. And so I, so I write a lot on my phone. That's, that's a big part of my process. And I was just, I just, I have a, I just had a, one of my friends visit who's a poet and we talked about that a lot because they write they write, they handwrite write all of their stuff. And, and and I do sometimes, sometimes it'll come out that way, but now I'm so accustomed to the, because if I want to rearrange a sentence and then see, I mean, especially writing poetry, uh, writing verse and, and seeing how things fit together that way and seeing how they look on the page, it's so much easier to do it on my phone it's so much faster. It's so much more efficient. And, and so for me, that's really important. Like, and so it's, I would be good to maybe slow down and handwrite more. I, the thing that I do handwrite a lot of, and, and that uh, gets me, gets me off of my phone is letters. I handwrite all my letters. I have a few friends that I'll send long emails to, but um, letter writing is a really important thing. And that's the thing that Because I do think there's some, there's a probably a science to, you know, what happens when you are writing with pen and paper, and using your hand that way. There's there's something special about it for sure, and so I do write. I write a lot of letters, and read a lot of letters, and I love getting mail. I love. I buy way more zines than I can read because I love getting. Mail and I love how every zinester does it a different way and the package and the stickers and that and I love seeing other people's handwriting too I've always uh, been really into that I don't think I really know someone until I see their handwriting I think it reveals a lot about people and so I like that
0: that's that's so funny you said that because the first time that I asked my wife if I could read her handwriting she said no she was was like that's way too intimate you know we just started seeing each other (laughs) yeah
1: yeah. Yeah. I guess she finally let you read it
0: huh (laughs) yeah 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 I I think a couple a couple dates later but um that's a that's a really good way of saying it like you don't really know somebody until you see their handwriting
1: Well, and I mean, not everyone, not everyone can write. And so I guess that's not entirely true. But I do think that it, I do think that it reveals a lot about people. And I think, I mean, I love to see the patterns in things. I love to see, you know, how the the lines and shapes of someone like repeat in their body or their, you know, taste, like the, the, the patterns of it and the shapes that that people make and and so handwriting is a really good way I think I think to see that you can't really capture you know the essence of a whole human in any you know in a photograph or anything like it's it's these these patterns over time that that, that's like the shape of them you know and so that's what I love to see
0: yeah totally no that's that's really make that really kind of like got the gears turning in my head because I've been thinking a lot about that lately about what is a person and um, like how do you define that because I, I had a weird realization about a year ago that there's like something that is me that like has aspects to it of outside of my physical self like they're in a sense, it's like, if I look at the things around my desk, that's kind of me because I did that. Um, and that really speaks to me that like handwriting is maybe one way to see that because you do see like uh, an expression of what somebody is and the way that they they write their letters, you know? Like I, I actually almost got held back for my handwriting um, because I, it's just, it's very messy. But I had um, a teacher who told me that he thought that the reason my handwriting was bad was because um, like I think too quickly and that it's my handwriting is a good reminder for me to slow down. And that just totally changed you know my, my image of myself. So
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, that's a really good point. And what you said about you know, the objects that we have, arrayed around how those those make those shapes those make those patterns that's that's partly us I totally agree with that too yeah yeah
0: um because when I got the the package that you sent me that had uh your book um and your zine I remembered how nice it is to get mail you know um because I've been having some people send me their books recently but it's like a couple of small presses have sent me stuff and it's wonderful to get them, you know, um, but it is different. Like when somebody is sending you their stuff themselves and they like make a little package and stuff like um, Monique, my wife sends her art through an Etsy shop. And so she, she's making, always making these little packages. And I, I just, I, I don't know, I guess I forgot about how nice that is to receive a, like a personalized piece of something from somebody else
1: yeah absolutely that's that's one of the things I love that's one of the things I love to do I when I send out a zine I'm sending out my heart in the mail it's a little piece of my heart and it's to somebody who asked for it and so I that's meaningful to me and and I want it you know I send it out with intention and meaning usually I may have Thrown together a few packages here or there, but I mean, even taking the time to address uh, a package, and you know, it's in my handwriting, addressed to you. And I love that. I love receiving those from other people, and I and I love sending them out. There's a special joy to it that you just don't find if you click send on a PDF. <laughs> yeah. There's 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 no comparison. Um, so it's a, it's a great thing and and I love mail. I love the USPS. I love mail mail people everywhere and have so much respect for them. I'm not a huge fan of the government, but libraries and the post office get my stamp of approval and full support.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I mean I totally I totally agree. I think both of those institutions are so important. I, I I know, I don't know if this is still true, but a couple of years ago somebody told me that there were still more libraries in the U.S. than McDonald's, which I thought was really cool. Um, I never, I never looked it up to see if it was true because I just liked the idea that it was true.
1: (laughs) Well, you know what, I'm not going to look it up either. I'm just going to accept that And and I hope that it I hope that it is true I think libraries are so so important and so great and uh, a lot of people are like oh libraries are gonna disappear and people are gonna stop reading books and I don't think that's true at all in my experience I was really surprised because I kind of had that idea too like oh ebooks and whatever even though I've always preferred uh, <clears throat> actual books but I found that as a librarian, I've found that people uh, most people do still prefer print books especially younger people I always thought I always thought you know it's it's older older people tend to tend to read uh, ebooks more than younger people which I think is really interesting I don't have that's not science but (laughs) 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 that's just my personal experience so I don't think they're going away
0: Yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, I think that things become more interesting, like if they sort of go away to to younger people. Like I, when you said that, it made me think about, I remember when I was like 18, I got a record player and I thought it was so cool. But my parents were like, what, why do you want that? You know, you have iTunes (laughs) or whatever, but, but I loved it. I loved having the, the physical thing and I've also noticed that with, with younger people that it seems like there's a romantic association with print books.
1: Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. I didn't think about it that way, but you're probably right. I just got my first record player pretty recently and I love it. It's, (laughs) it's so cool. It's, it's, it's so great. And it's such a different, again, the, the physicality of it and you have to listen to the album and you don't just skip around and it's it's such a different experience
0: I feel like it sounds better I mean maybe I'm just maybe maybe I just like it better because of what we're talking about but I, I really do feel like it sounds better on the record player
1: yeah 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 it's different it's different for sure I also uh, recently got a tape player because I had to get one so I could listen to my tape. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That came out on Hello America. And that's a thing, too. It's very, I I love tapes. Tapes were my thing. Um, Yeah. And I had a tape player in my car forever and, you know, this gross black plastic case full of oh, tape yeah. and mixed tapes this big one and uh i think i lost it i kept it forever i think maybe it was i left it at my mom's or i don't know full of great stuff though uh so when i <clears throat> so when i found hello america and found that they were doing tapes i was like it's great it, it had been a really long time since i had listened to a tape and I told one of my friends about it. And I was very excited. And my friend was like, hey, like, I would and I was like, cause it's fucking cool. That's why. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love them and I love the way they look. I love the whole aesthetic of Hello America. Like I love being part of that family. You know, Adam Gennady runs it and he has, he had a, he started it with the label with a particular idea in mind and I'm, I'm so down with his vision and, and so it's so cool to be so it's not just like my tape exists, you know, like as its own thing. It's part of this complex of other um, stories and poems and tapes and all this, like this, you know, whole community of writers who, like there's so much diversity within that group of writers, but there's also, um, there's also this shared Shared vision within that, and it's really beautiful to see. I love every new mixtape that comes out. There's, I'm always just blown away by the by the selections that are on there of uh, people from all over, uh, just so many different voices. And so it feels really cool <clears throat> to have my work uh, exist as a part of that. It really does feel like. Uh, you know it's, it's i'm part of a larger whole and so my work i think takes on new meaning and uh you know i've gotten new perspective on it like at like as being being a part of that versus mm. being someone i've always been you know a pretty solitary person and i've never been a part of a a community of other writers really i mean i took creative writing classes in college um but I was more interested in like doing drugs than like participating in <laughs> yeah. like the other writers, I just wasn't, I mean, I was into writing, but I wasn't into like really connecting with people, so.
0: I, yeah, I kind of, I know what you mean. Um, I found it kind of hard to make, to participate in community when I, when I was in those spaces too. And I found more, I think um, just, Connecting with other with other writers through Twitter, I think that I did uh, in, in creative writing classes. But um yeah, no, the the Hello America project just seems so cool. Well, I I've, I've always thought that cassettes were really great. I think that's why I decided that I liked podcasts and why I wanted to do one, was because when I was younger, I remember um, my parents had a lot of cassettes and just listening to, they would always, they were always talks. Like I remember listening to lots of talks in the car and just, just loving it and wanting to listen to people talk more. So yeah, I think it's, a, I think it's a really cool project.
1: Well, that's, that's really cool that you're, you had that growing up. That's, that's very cool. Had that exposure growing up. I have to confess, I am not. A podcast listener I have this friend who would always send me podcasts and I'd be like I love you and I care about what you want to share with me and I'll try to listen and I kept saying that and finally I was like I'm never gonna listen to this podcast (laughs) I'm never going to listen to any podcast that you ever send me because I just, like, that's not the way my brain works. Hello America is different because it's these short little pieces, you know? Yeah. Um, but I just, and I don't know what it is. I think, because it's not that I'm not a, an audio person. I like listening to things. But I think there's something with, uh, sort of like, longer pieces maybe are hard for me to follow. Or I don't know. I've never listened to talk radio. I've never uh, been a big audio book listener Hmm. although right now i'm trying to listen to neil gaiman's norse mythology and i really like that because neil gaiman is amazing uh
0: that's one of my favorite audiobooks i've ever listened to yeah yeah i listened to that one time on a really stressful plane ride and it was wonderful (laughs) and his voice is really great
1: his his voice is so great he's he's such a great storyteller in all the senses of the the word and I, I also listen to, so when my son was like maybe 11 or 12, we used to have a long commute. We lived in the mountains and we had a long commute to school and we listened to on tape from the library. I never returned it. This is, you know, 12 years ago, 13 years ago. Uh, but we listened to the Odyssey on tape. It was this project. And I don't know who, I don't know what translation or who even read it but i that's that's maybe the only two audiobooks i've ever listened to and i listened to a portion of one of your podcasts oh, yeah. <laughs> do a few other things but i'm gonna you know after this i'm gonna go tell everybody to listen to this podcast because i'm on it but i <laughs> <I'll> <laughs> listen to it myself that's and okay I, I don't know what it is, an, an attention thing, or I'm not sure, but I think it's great that it exists.
0: Yeah. No, thank you. I mean, you know, it's just one of those things I've noticed it's not for everybody. Like uh, one of my good friends told me, <laughs> recently told me, she's she she was so funny because she was kind of like saying it like it was an apology to me. She was like, I'm so sorry. I just I just don't like podcasts. And I was like, you know, it's okay. I think I I think I like them a little too much because (laughs) I listened, I just listen to so many and I'm always I feel like I'm never sitting in silence. I'm like always listening to something. Um I think maybe that's where it comes from for me. Maybe I think maybe I'm just scared of silence.
1: Interesting. Hmm. See, I live with a six-year-old who never stops. (laughs) She's, she's very different than my son. My son really takes after me. And he's, you know, more the sensitive, silent type. And she's, she's, she belongs in the circus. I think she's going to be a circus performer, but she's always moving and always talking. And so she's gone for the weekend. And so anytime I have access to silence, I, I mean, there's never really silence, right? Mm. I live on a busy, you know, I live I live right in the city, and so there's always the traffic. It sounds like, it's like yeah, there's always sounds,
0: yeah. sounds,
1: happening. But yeah, that's that's interesting that you maybe try it sometimes, see how see what happens when it's quiet.
0: Yeah, I should. I should. I've been. I've been trying to experiment with doing the dishes and not listening to anything else. Um, and it's nice, but then I always. I don't know. Yeah, and I don't know what it is because, like, when it's over, I'm like, oh, I need to. I need to listen to something. <laughs> so I don't. I don't know where it comes from. It's kind of. It is kind of weird. Um,
1: is it like you're also like trying to? Because I know a lot of people do it, like they listen to something while they're doing something else. And so they're like making the most of their time. They're getting this information while they're doing the dishes. So is it like a time thing where you feel like, because I feel that pressure, not in this particular way, but like I'll feel this pressure to like use my, like to always be like making the most of my time and trying to do like multiple things at once so that I can. And lately, because I've been so overloaded and just yeah, because things have been so rough. I've stopped doing that. Uh, so the times when my daughter's away, the last couple of times, I just, I told myself I didn't have to write anything. And I didn't have to talk to anyone. And I didn't have to do anything. And I just rested. Mm. And listened, you know, I like looked out the window and listened to the cars go by and slept. And it was the most... Uh, invigorating thing ever and then I woke up in the morning and had all this energy to do all this writing and it was like just you know just being quiet for a while was very beneficial to me and not having to be productive I think all of us whoever we are have that ingrained in us because of the society that we live in like we must be productive at all times and are you know value is based on our productivity even when we're artists you know we I think we tend to, which is to, I mean, how, how do you value art or pre- producing art but we do that I think we do that to ourselves and so or if it's you know you're an intellectual and you need to be taking in information like you with your I don't know what kind of podcast you listen to but do you I mean does it seem like something like that with you like you're trying to do you're trying to make the most of your time and be as productive as possible. I,
0: I, I think that's definitely it because, um, I know that that's, you know, I think, I think honestly, I I just kind of struggle with, um, feeling like I do, I don't have to do anything in order for people to be okay with me, if that makes sense. Um, I sort of feel like I always have to be, yeah, working on something or producing something or like, um, even with people in my life, like um, giving them reasons to love me. <laughs> uh, and I think you're right. I mean, I think I, I've 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 kind of been conscious of it for a couple of years, and I think it it comes from exactly what you're talking about. This like, you know this capitalistic thing that's like we always have to be producing we're not we're not good unless we're productizing or or whatever it is and um i think maybe it also maybe it also is just like work environments that i've been in where it felt like i was constantly being uh prodded to do more or like felt like i wasn't doing enough and um yeah i mean i think that that's a big thing probably that that we we all do struggle with to to some extent, but I think, yeah, I think that's a big part of it for sure.
1: Yeah, yep. <clears throat> it's a, and it's hard to, it's hard to sort of unpack or untangle those things in ourselves, especially because, you know, like I love writing. I love it, it's so satisfying. It makes me feel great. Uh, it's very fulfilling and then sometimes what I do I can make it a job for myself and I can make it like I was telling my poet friend that was here that you know look I want to just write like the best thing like and I do every time I finish something I think ah this is the best thing I've ever written and that's great and this is like and it says everything and it's just like and I'm done I want to be like done I want to (laughs) like be the best writer I can be and write like the the pinnacle the pinnacle and just have this and that you know that's that's silly first of all because then I would lose a lot of purpose (laughs) and joy by not writing but there, but I don't know it's it's interesting how we put this pressure on ourselves so sometimes I do that like oh I must write I must work on this whatever thing and and I every writer has different different you know ways of working and different mechanisms and sometimes it is about doing the grind and like doing the labor but uh, you know there's also periods that you go through where you're you need to be the reader and you need to soak things up or you need to be the sitter or the hiker or the whatever whatever you need need to be and just not produce anything sometimes you need to soak soak up <clears throat> some things and just be but it's very hard to just be we're just you know we're really aside from the way that our labor is considered in our society like our values based on our labor we're also you know insanely information-based society and constantly just like so much information constantly coming at us and so that's a that's a hard thing it's kind of hard to just be within that
0: you know not to bring it back to the phone stuff but like uh, there's just so many things available now um if I mean, if granted that if you have access to a cell phone and and all of that, there's just so many distractions that are available to us all the time, that yeah, I think it is really hard to just um, be with oneself and I think even, at least I know this is something I've kind of struggled with. I think even to figure out what you actually think or what you actually feel,
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things, and maybe that's the same thing for you with silence. It can be a little bit frightening to just be inside yourself alone and see what's there. Uh, Usually it's just the initial piece of it, though. Once you go in there, you know, it can can be an okay place to be. And I think that the more time we spend with ourselves and with the, the people around us, the more we can kind of um you know make it so that so okay like I had this yoga instructor who told me one time (laughs) because I'm a smoker I smoke cigarettes and so I was like you know we're doing all this deep breathing aren't I like breathing like this the smoke down into my lungs and she was like she was she was like well I'm not going to tell you to quit smoking but what I'm going to tell you is that if you keep doing this practice, eventually, the deep yogic breathing will just be so much yummier, and so much more appealing than smoking that you won't want to smoke. So that was a long time ago, and that hasn't happened. But <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I don't smoke that much. I should definitely quit. But um, uh, but I think that same kind of principle applies to like solitude or you know the thing that we're talking about it's just like being with yourself that again especially for people with trauma uh yourself can be a really scary place to be like like scary like terror terrifying and we have all these sort of survival mechanisms that we use to make it so that we can you know, exist and, and live with that stuff. And so, um, but I think that doing those healthy habits and doing those, like doing that practice of like, uh, you know, on a day when it maybe it does feel safe to be alone with yourself and kind of explore and have like a sense of curiosity, like, oh, what's in here and maybe find something that's delightful. And so then the next time that you feel like, oh, I don't know, I don't know if I want to be alone inside myself. But then you, you know, you're like, oh, but last time there was this delightful thing. So maybe I'll go check it out. So like building those structures and then like externally in relationship too, I think with other people, like building those structures where like the time that you spend together is like um, pleasant and something that you want to do and yummy. And so it's, so, it's more appealing than the phone, which is just an easy. It's just easy. And uh, life is hard. It's hard to be in. so it, it makes to make sense that that we do that and then we check out.
0: I think people do it with all kinds of different things, too, like because I know that that's what I do is with the phone. but um you know, i I was talking to somebody last week who was having a totally normal conversation with me, and then, you know, all of a sudden we were talking about, uh, you know, this. This person started telling me things that were a little out there, um, and I'm okay with out there. I mean, I'm okay with people telling me things that are out there. I mean, I have some beliefs that are a little out there, probably um, are related to, like you mentioned, yoga. I really love meditation and I'm, you know, probably some of the things that I would tell people about what I think about altered states of consciousness would seem a little out there, but whenever somebody, um, kind of tells me about that stuff and then gets kind of like aggressive about it, that feels to me like it's the same thing as the phone. Like it's, it's sort of like filling, um, some space within them that they're, they're trying not to be with something else, if that makes sense.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that does make sense or maybe like to not not be alone with it
0: yeah yeah for sure you know like I've I've talked uh, a little bit on the show about like um that it's I think it's really hard to be vulnerable in public and um I think that you do that really well in your work like, um, I, I feel when I read it that I'm really immersed in uh, the experience of the voice that I'm reading. And um, I was just wondering if you could tell me a little bit about how you kind of developed your style and um, if that was if that's something that you've thought about,
1: I guess. Yeah, so <laughs> vulnerability is definitely my jam.. <laughs> uh, which is funny because I was just talking to my friend last night about how I struggle with intimacy. Um, yet I write about the most intimate things possible for public for public consumption. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so there's something interesting going on there. Um, but you know, if I think back to like the first creative writing class i had you know when i was like 19. Um, <clears throat> i was trying to write the same kind of things that i write now uh, i never finished anything and i never um, <laughs> you know i'd write something and i workshop it in class and then you know we'd bring back the next draft and i wouldn't have changed anything <laughs> <laughs> People would just be like, you know, I really don't think like you're working at this. And so, as far as you know, developing my style or finding my voice, um, I it, it hit me the other day that really, like, I've always I've always been trying to write these things, and this is my like I wish I could write science fiction. I've tried to write I've tried to write science fiction, and maybe. Maybe one day when I run out of uh, this tragic life shit to write about, I'll, just, I'll sit down and just work course my way to a science fiction <laughs> story and get, get, that, get that done. But, um, you know, it's it really took a lot of things. I just was telling, Brogan Pencil just did a little written interview with me uh, a week or so ago. And. And I was telling them that, you know, they asked something like about how advice for people trying to get their thoughts onto the page or something. And for me, like I said back at the beginning, for the first things that I finished, I really had a particular person in mind that I was writing to. I was answering a question the first thing. Uh, I didn't set out to, to make a zine or write a book. I set out to answer a question that was important to me. Like it was a question that was asked that was that uh, deserved like a real answer and <clears throat> so that's that's how soft animal was written and and then with tenderness same thing like having a a partner in in the writing of it and in the vulnerability was really like I had this person that I felt really safe with and that I trusted from a distance. Uh, because generally, I don't feel safe (laughs) with people up close. Uh, But I had this person to do that with, and I was writing for this, this person. And, and, you know, he pushed me to write about things. So when I first started writing tenderness, I was trying to keep uh, the single mom stuff out of it, I was trying to just make it like about tender, and the stuff would like, And so he was like, you know, that's the most interesting part of what you're writing It's like this, you know, this, this conflict and this struggle between and and when he said it, I was like, oh, yeah, like, that's actually the most interesting thing about my life. That's like the central struggle of my life is like, how do I be a person and a parent, Uh, you know, like, how do I be like a sexual being and a, a respectable mother? How do I navigate these things? How do I be this person with a past? Um, that maybe people would not consider respectable. Uh, you know, how do how how do I be a whole person? And so that's I think that's the most from what I hear from other people. I think that's the most compelling part of my writing is like is reading about that that struggle and that and that it's authentic. And I don't like <laughs> like the thing I just wrote this morning and posted on my website like I it's really hard because I don't I don't have answers like a lot I think and I think some people might read my stuff and feel like left with a lot of questions like maybe questions about the details questions about whether it's fiction or not questions about like well what the fuck actually happened here like what is this story even about like how did it turn out and (laughs) the truth is like I'm just writing about Uh, I'm just writing about this process that is me like I am a process and it's messy as fuck and Mm -hmm. it's there's like conflict and contradiction and and the best answer like I ever get is like oh well I made this story I like I create I managed to like fit all this impossible shit into like 300 words and there's like a little arc of a narrative there and it sounds beautiful there's like a nice rhythm like that's um so i guess that's how to answer to go back to your question that's how i found my style is that i started writing to other people and then i found and i had other people uh push me it pushed me to be more honest, and push me to write about the things that I thought nobody wanted to hear about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't think that anybody like gave a shit about the things that I write about, and maybe a lot of people don't, and that's fine. Not everybody has to has to like it, but um, but yeah, it's it's it, it was having that support, and now I write for myself. Uh, I go back and I read my stuff and I listen to my stuff. And I mean, even in the space of a week's time, I can write something and then a week later uh, be in a completely different space and I can go back to my writing and be like, oh, that's where I am. Like, I have that. I don't have to like, you know, um, I don't like, I I find it very reassuring. I find my voice very reassuring and that's what I write about too is like the struggle of like finding my voice and being able to speak my truth and so it can get very very meta um but now I do I don't for the most part I don't think about what other people are going to like I have like different readers who I know like you know react a certain way to things that I write but Now that I've had that support and I've had a little bit of growth as a writer, um, I write for myself and I write what I want to read and I write the things that are the most true. And um, maybe it's not the best literature people have ever read, but I certainly like it. (laughs) I like my style and I love my voice. I love the shape of myself and how it comes out on the page and 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 on tape and yeah
0: yeah i i um sometimes i have a hard time with books when i'm reading through something and like i experience something like in the in the text that's really um meaningful and interesting and like it's almost always about like human relationships or intimacy. Um, and then all of a sudden it's onto this other part of the plot or something that I have to kind of struggle through. And, um, you know, at least for me, that's what, I, that's what I like reading the most is just things that are honest and nuanced and complicated where you can see like, okay, here's this piece. And then, oh wait, here's this other piece also. And they're in the same world. Um, so i th- I mean it's it's ironic because I think uh I think that I- I've heard a lot of people talk about how they're afraid to write about things that are really personal um but I think that's what we all want to read. Uh, you know I mean, I'm maybe not everybody. I'm sure some people just want to read like mysteries and thrillers and stuff, and that's okay. Um, but I think that you know, I think that there is something about, like, we all, most of us want to experience like those real, like human moments, like we kind of read the book to get to that moment. So um, when I read some work like yours, that's like full of those, that's really great for me, because I feel like it's, it's rare that like the whole book is the part that I'm interested in, if that makes sense.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a great, great compliment. And I'm glad that you enjoyed it. And, you know, Adam Gennady said something similar to me because I, you know, I say, I talk big talk, like, Oh, I write for myself now. And I don't care what other people think. That's also bullshit. I mean, I do care what other people think. And I go through these phases of like, still of like, who gives a shit? Like, why would I ever want to write or put this out here? And why would anybody ever want to read it? Like, especially especially considering like the state of the world and the oceans on fire and like I I mean uh you know all that like white supremacy there's like so many fucking things that are important that are happening and so it's but I so Adam Gennady said something similar to me like you know like that's the stuff he likes to read that's the kind of stuff he writes and and that whenever you read something like that there's more at stake for the writer he, mm-hmm. he said something like that um at some um, encouraging time when i was like oh i suck and this is awful and um so it's encouraging to hear it's also encouraging to hear um yeah that it that it hits that way because i don't i don't always know it's sometimes it's hard it's hard to tell so it's i really like to like to hear how people experience it
0: Totally, totally. I mean, you know, I think about that a lot, that there's this weird part of writing, which is that um, I I think I try to do the same thing. I try to write what I want to read. Like I I try to write what I am happy with and not let the thoughts of what other people will think of it come into it too much. But then I also um, seem to need... A reader, and to have like it, it feels like that. That's the other part of it is like there's relationship involved in it too. Like there's um, there's the writing process and like making it, and then the second half is like having somebody interact with it. So it's like I I don't know. It's it's like a complicated thing. Um, but I I mean I I know what you mean because I I think about that a lot too. That like I really want to stay focused on the 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 mission of, of writing something that I am happy with and writing for myself um but then at the same time I, I personally I just find it like totally impossible to completely detach myself from the, the other side of it so yeah. yeah I think I'm I think I'm rambling a little bit but um that's yeah I I, I think I just agree with everything you said <laughs>
1: yeah, I know, and i and I get it. I get what you're saying, because I had a you know poetry instructor once I am who said, because I would write these like super cryptic, and I still, I guess, tend towards a little bit of crypticness. Uh, but I've read these really cryptic poems about whatever. and he he insisted that writing is communication. And like, yeah, it is. So, uh, I mean, I, look at stuff that I wrote 20 years ago, and I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) So, so even if I was like writing for myself, like, I didn't even have myself in mind, like nobody, that stuff is, that stuff, I mean, I wouldn't call it worthless, but like, there's, you know, all the meaning is lost, because I didn't craft it in a way that communicated anything of meaning, except to myself in that moment, which maybe. I, like maybe there is some value in that but that moment is gone and now there's no value in that piece of writing uh today <clears throat> so so writing is communication and I think that's okay it's it's okay and it's I think it's okay to shift back and forth between those perspectives too because when you're like in the act of writing I think that uh i mean you go through different fate like a lot of writing for me is just editing but like maybe when i get like the initial have the initial idea or vision or whatever and it comes out like you know you just get into it like you get into the zone like you're you're making the art but exact, i love what you said about how like it is it is a relationship thing like that's the first part is writing it and the second part is like like i think that's the only time that art truly exists is Mm. when somebody is interacting with it like you said and I think that's what makes art art is like that moment of interaction like the text by itself is just a piece of paper or you know the painting by itself is just a piece of paper and the artist or the writer can have whatever intention and like imbue it with whatever whatever meaning they wanted to but that it's not in that piece like the meaning isn't something is in it but not that necessarily that intended meaning like the 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 art is a moment that happens like when somebody perceives a piece and experiences it and that's going to be different for everyone and it's not a static it's not a static thing and so I think considering the audience is always important and considering that like writing is communication but also kind of letting go of that like yeah well this is going to be like uh at a certain point a relationship that I don't have control over and I don't want to have control over you know if I had to like I don't know and I do like I'm a person who likes to read about like artists and writers and and they're like I like to find out about the people I think that is always like the biographical data is always really interesting to me
0: no yeah that's that's all that's no that's all great to hear I mean Because I think there's so much of this stuff that we're talking about that just nobody tells you that this is a part of writing when you set out to start writing. Um, And then you kind of have to, like, just figure out what you think about these things. So, um, no, I mean, like, hearing your perspective on all this has been awesome. One of the last things I wanted to ask was just um, if you have a different process between writing uh, poetry and prose, because... When I read your work, when I read uh, Self-Titled and when I read Soft Animal, it felt really seamless to me. Like when I moved from the poetry into the prose, um, the voice was totally consistent and it didn't feel like it disrupted the reading experience to move from one style to the next. So I was just wondering in the process of writing it, if there's a way that you differentiate. Well,
1: thank you for saying that. That's that's good that's good to hear, because I personally <laughs> I'm like, like i've see, I've read other things where they do that, and we like, you know, we'll shift back and forth, and it and it's it's very unsatisfying to me a lot of the times when I read it. Uh, and so I worry about that. That's something that I worry about. And I think. <clears throat> I would say my process is a little different, but I will also say that I think that my poetry tends towards prose, and my prose tends toward lyricism, and so, um, so I think that that n- naturally makes it a better fit between the two to to put them together. But I do, I always hesitate. I, I hesitated for a long time, like in tenderness, the first uh, thing that I really put together for a particular audience, like I didn't. I didn't allow myself to do that mm. because I didn't think that um because anytime I've read something like that I hated it it wasn't just that I didn't <laughs> like it I hated it and so and I think also you know it, there are certain kinds of readers who will reject poetry and don't want to read poetry and and that's legit. I mean, people's tastes are you know, it's whatever. like maybe somebody wants to read like a more straightforward narrative. And so uh, I think like I don't the, the process the process is different. You know, when generally when I'm writing prose, there's a more there's a more straightforward like narrative that I'm trying to tell. But a lot of my poetry is very narrative. There's a story in the poetry too, but I would um, so I don't know. It's not like I ever set out to write a poem about this particular topic or I ever set out to you know it just it just comes how however it, however it comes. Um, and the you know the part of the process that's the same for both is is the editing. I don't mm-hmm. think like we I don't think we even count that as writing labor but that's 90% of for me the labor is editing so I'll get it down and then like it needs to fit together in a certain way and it needs to and so it's like editing 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 and yeah I think that um and that's just that's really just like manual labor. You can't really be inspired. To, I mean, I'm inspired in the sense of like I want to finish this piece, and I have this vision for how I want it to be, and I want it to be finished, and I'm trying to say something. And you know, it's a it's a particular thing. But honestly, I would say the prose is faster. You mm-hmm. wouldn't think that. You would think that poetry is faster, but generally, uh, prose is is a little is a little faster and I'll spend more time editing poetry but also I think sometimes the line is not super clear uh, between between those
0: I guess how do you think about genres um do you see some of your work as like auto fiction I know is a term that's going around I I love a lot of stuff that I think of as auto fiction or, or um do you think of it as more like essay um Is that something you even kind of think about or?
1: Well, I do think about it because I'm a cataloger. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think about it a lot, actually. I haven't, I think I've heard that term auto fiction, but, and I like that, I don't know much about it. But the thing about, you know, being a cataloger is like, I know intimately that people have this idea that there's a certain place where a book goes, that it's classified a certain way, that it has a certain Dewey number, like it has a certain place where it belongs in the collection. And that's not the case. There's no right answer for where to put something. It's number one, something that exists in a context of other things, and that context can change. So it exists as part of a collection, we're placing it somewhere in know as part of a collection and so uh and then yeah the genre designations too like where do you put a time traveling you know historical romance about vampires or whatever like there's (laughs) so many uh so many things but I think you know when it comes more to form like form as far as like this is poetry and this is you know short fiction or this is memoir that's I mean there are standards for what makes something but you don't I mean not everybody subscribes to those standards and I do know that this is something that I've thought about lately is how like I don't I mean I studied literature in school but I don't and I'm a librarian but I don't like I wouldn't say that I like have a a real clear sense of like poetics or you know literary theory or i can't i couldn't necessarily like place my work within the context of like the larger body of of you know american literature like i can't i i have writers that are like dear to my heart that i read that inform what i write and shape what i write but i don't Necessarily have that more like academic understanding if that if that makes sense and. So I think. I would say, like, I, you know, like I feel like my stuff really fits at Hello America, I think like there's a particular. Uh, style and. Uh, orientation and. Uh, way of thinking about the world even though I mean I don't want to say that because it's not it's definitely not homogenous it's not like there's one way of viewing the world that's that's represented in those writers there at all but it's more like I guess more like an orientation to uh truth telling and however that however that however that may you know manifest and so I would say that that's what I do and that's what I I worry though about self titled I was like where where are you gonna put it if I was I don't have that book in my library it's library I work at but if I did like where would I put it how would I how would I classify this because people I I don't like stuff like that I don't like generally I don't like stuff that's like mixed genre or mixed form kind of stuff I think form is, is more the right word um so it's funny that I write it I don't, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know about that but some of my favorite I, I mean I do like so my favorite thing that actually a, a poet recommended me to read and said like your stuff kind of reminds me of this is Maggie Nelson's Bluettes. I don't know how to pronounce it, Um, but she kind of does that. She's like, and I, so I read it after, I just read it like a couple or a month or so ago and it's amazing. Yeah, uh, it's it's amazing. And it is, I mean, I felt like, I mean, this, person wasn't saying necessarily that my stuff is as good as that but to be able to to say like oh your stuff reminded me of this was really cool and then to like and it was like so validating to read something like that and so uh you know I wonder if I would have read her first how like how the path of my writing would have would have gone but now I have read it and she's just it's like it's so amazing and I think she does that too even though there's not there's not anything really that's inverse in that book, but you know, the brevity and the the like compression of how it's just, just like these little little pieces and like the the um anyway, great great book and and um I think there is certainly a just, yeah, there's it was just very validating to read that and and that's that kind of really like that's my favorite it's just one of my favorite favorite books and there's so many so many layers to what happens in there and i yeah i don't think my work uh even approaches like the that like what she what she achieved in that book but i that's certainly something that i that i aspire to
0: yeah, totally. I I can see the connection actually because um I just read it's so funny I just read this literally right before I read your book. It was like the, <laughs> yeah yeah. And the reason was because it came up on the last uh, podcast that I did. Um, and I've been trying to think about all these things about like what is, you know. Aut- uh, Auto fiction or nonfiction, and um, yeah, I, I, and yeah, I had a, sim- a similar. Um, experience reading your book and reading this book of of like the way that it moves and um so that's that's cool that's cool that it uh that she's one of your favorites I, I think that's a great book too
1: that's so funny yeah yeah that's a, that's a good good connection
0: yeah um so uh for a last question I guess just um it, what's something you've read recently that you enjoyed and uh, something you've been listening to
1: something I've been listening to not any podcasts <laughs> man <clears throat> I was trying to listen to something different uh in the car the other day and I was, yesterday morning and I was feeling really anxious and not I don't know what was on there's some, so like something on Spotify some playlist and I so, because I tried it. I just tend to listen to the same stuff, and so I then I was just like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna put on my favorite." And so i had just been jamming songs, Ohio, uh, the their black album. Mm. Um, that's probably my favorite album of all time. And apparently, and even though it's a little bit scary, are you familiar with that album? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's like it's Jason Molina. He's he does uh, sort of like. I, it's not really folk. I don't know. I'm bad with genres, <laughs> as we just as we just discovered. Uh, he's the singer songwriter. His shit's very poetic, um, but that self-titled album is just it's just epic, and it's like one of those ones etched on my heart. Uh, mm. And so, so yeah. Apparently, it's something that I like to listen to when I'm feeling anxious. Also, mm. but that's the last thing that I listen to. And then I knew you were gonna ask me <laughs> what I read, and I th- I think I think Bluettes is actually the last thing I finished, and it's torture being a librarian. It's torture being a cataloger because I know everybody thinks we just sit around and read. No, we do not. We never have time to read. But I touch so many books and see so many good books. And so I have this, I'm looking right now at this like beautiful stack of books that I have that I have not read. (laughs) Uh, So in the stack is Earth Eater. That's one that I'm very excited about, Dolores Ray's.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah.
1: So that's the one that's like next on my list. And then I have a couple of books of short stories. Um, So yeah.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I could imagine um, being around books all day and then not having time to read. That would be frustrating. I had uh, kind of a similar experience once when I worked at a bookstore for like a month mm-hmm. that I was, it was like, at the, I'm just around these books all the time, but I can't read them. And it was upsetting.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, I mean, it's the best kind of torture. And I am a librarian because. I hated all the jobs I had before. And I was like, okay, where, if you had to show up to work, like where, if you had to show up to someplace every day, where would it be? It's the library. And it is a joy to come to the library every day. And I'm often literally surrounded by books. I'll like ensconce myself with these these carts of books everywhere and that's great.
0: And that's a great question. If you had to show up somewhere every day, where would it be? That's such a great question
1: yeah well and the fact is most of us do have to show up somewhere every day yeah but yeah that's the question I asked myself because I just would go to my job and just be like I hate it I hate it here I don't want to be here I don't want to be here and so finally Mm -hmm. I was like okay fine and then when the library was the first thing that popped into my head then I went and enrolled in library school
0: awesome (laughs) (laughs) yeah fantastic um so uh, where can people find you and your writing online?
1: Uh, you can find a lot of my uh, audio literature at Hello America. So it's Hello America uh, on their band camp. Uh, and then I also post a lot of stuff on my website. It's just uh, myname.com. So it's nicolemorning.com. Uh, and I'm on I'm on Instagram. I share lots of fun things there, lots of flowers and poems and things like that
0: yeah awesome well I will uh put links in I will put links to all that stuff in the episode description um well thank you so much for talking to me I I really loved reading your work and and getting to hear you talk about it and your thoughts about all this it was a pleasure
1: yeah it was such a pleasure to talk to you thank you for your interest in my work and thanks for doing the the podcast too Yeah,
0: definitely. Cool. Thank you so much.
1: All right. Bye-bye.